0: Welcome back, everybody, to another Eats Beat podcast, the most delicious podcast in the Metroplex. I'm Rick Press.
1: I'm Bud Kennedy. And I'm Nick Dean. Maybe the most thirsty podcast in the Metroplex.
0: I know we're going to talk about craft brew this week, and we don't have any with us, which really seems like a crime.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, the main thing is that craft bre- craft beers are like turning the restaurant business around, because you heard that the poorhouse, which is this iconic, I saw that on Facebook. You know, yeah, this iconic restaurant tavern— in in fort worth has been operating downtown for 15 years of of 15 years of glorious bud light drinking is uh you know is is turning it all around into a a craft brew uh, house
0: well eric cheddar has always been uh the owner of poor house has always been very good about sort of reinventing and finding ways to to sort of bring people into the poor house and keep it exciting so i i figure if he's doing it it's going to Going to be a success.
1: So I think we ought to call in our young translator for this. And Nick, you know, <laughs> Nick, will you please interpret for us? I mean, why is uh, Bud Light and Miller Light and all that out, and and everybody's having to change to have like forty orange pico blends from Galveston? What's, what's you
2: know, up I don't know. It's just it really has become almost a trend piece that you could do on craft beers. It seems like Fort Worth, even since I moved here a year and a half ago, has like expanded exponentially in the amount of craft beers that they have, and a lot of my friends will talk to me and will go places and they'll want the craft brew you know they'll want that to be at a restaurant i think restaurants are seeing that that's kind of an appealing aspect to get people that are in the younger age into and it's a really big thing also on saturdays to kind of go to these breweries that have they open up for the saturday and you go and you hang out and you listen to music and you drink their craft beer and and i think people are still looking for it with their meals and and you see like Central Market change their wine room into nineteen microbreweries you can put in a growler and take home. It's kind of I mean, it's a very hipster thing to like get your beer in the same growler every week and take it home and pour it. I think I think it has a millennial hipster quality to it. At the same time, the beers are really good, so I do think quality of the beer is is phenomenal. And in Texas, I think Texas beers have always been a big thing. It's just becoming even more popular in Fort Worth and Dallas.
1: Well, I mean, I, I and I, I understand that the beer is good. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you know Raw is great, and, and uh, right, you know our, our you know I got married five years ago the the uh, the. Dinner the night before. I mean, we had like raw ugly pug for everybody, mm. you know, I was like, <laughs> which I love. I love ugly pug. Yeah, yeah. I was like unlimited raw ugly pug was the the. Uh, the party of the night. So right. I understand the beer is good, but it's like and now it's like it's affecting. I mean, uh, restaurants are having to completely change their model because there's is there just like a rejection of anything that seems like your father's beer. When
0: we, when will you work the term newfangled into new the <laughs> into the podcast? <laughs> These but newfangled.
2: It's a, it's new just like the burger beers. battle as we always okay. go back to.
1: Okay. I, Shiner has a beer that's like part grapefruit juice.
2: Right, which I love. Ruby Redbird is one of my favorites in the summer. So it's delicious. And but in fact. I don't know because, I mean, I'm the age group we're talking about here, and I still always go back to Shiner Bock regular all the time.
0: Shiner is a good go-to beer I mean, for sure.
2: And I, I think the draw – I think there is a draw to, like, Revolver, Blood & Honey. It's just a really good beer. And, you know, you talked about – we were talking a little bit about the Flying Saucer. Has, you know, RAR's been around for a while. The Flying yeah. Saucer's been around for a while. Rural
1: House restaurants have been around for a while. Right. The Flying Saucer had food and beers. Whatever. Right. And now has I more think food people are
2: it. catching on to it. I just think it's becoming even more. And then you also have, I mean, social media is a big thing. There's a thing called Untapped. It's a, I tried this new beer. Here's what I thought of it. Social media, all about the new beers you're trying. Well, so I think yeah. it's, it's becoming. Well,
0: and this this weekend is Grape Fest, which is a celebration of, of wine and made in Texas. But. But really, there's almost every weekend in the last few months there has been a beer festival somewhere. Right.
1: Well, and now never before it used to be though that you didn't dine where you did your drinking, and then like, <laughs> then, like it used to be the two I can understand that a, a yeah. two-step process. And right. now uh, suddenly we have the gastropub. And so you, you have like Meddlesome Moth and places like that and mm-hmm. places here where you go in and there's 40 beer taps on the wall, but there's also a chef. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'd, put, I'd throw the bearded lady into that mix. And they not
2: only that, not only do they have it on the wall, but their, their fridges are stocked full of craft beers from everywhere, not just Texas.
0: Well, I think a, a restaurant in this day and age is going to have to be a little bit of everything for everyone. I mean, we talked about, you know, five years ago. Even in the fanciest restaurants, you would see flat screen TVs on the wall, and so people were in eating, you know, thirty five dollar entrees, but they were keeping an eye on the game. And people were like, "Well, every place is turning into a sports bar." If you
1: could afford the thirty five dollar entree, you probably got money on the game. <laughs> exactly,
0: and now it's it's the same thing. It's like, well. I also want to be I want to be served food that was prepared by a chef, but I also I don't want to just have a Budweiser with that. I want to have a blood and honey or I want to have a craft beer. I want to have a choice of 20 right. or 30 beers. And it, yeah, if it was made locally, even better. I think that's another great tr- part of the trend is people are embracing the beers that are made around here.
2: I think it is a lo- it is part of the larger trend of, you know, those um people who want farm to table who want it to be here who want it to be made here they know who made it they have a connection their money's going to a fort worth person yeah, yeah a lot of people love fort worth a lot of people love the city they're from and texas unlike i think most states we do think we're exceptional and that we and i think we are i love texas and so i get that part of it like i like that when i drink shiner or when i drink a craft beer i know it came from texas yeah
0: i've been to the RAR tastings on saturday right. and it is a lot of fun and they do them every saturday from i think one to three and uh, they also do them at Revolver out in mm-hmm. Granbury. And and I believe they're doing them at Martin House now. Over yeah, they do uh, them
2: over in Dallas at Deep Ellum. And one of the reasons they do that is, like, I think the Texas laws say that they're not allowed to –
0: you can't buy the beer buy there, the beer there yeah. so
2: they have to do this whole ticket process. We give you this glass, and then we fill it with beer twice or something. And well, so. and the
0: laws have have sort of relaxed some in the right. last few years, and the, that's why you're seeing this more this right. this growth. And you know, I mean, you know, trends are trends. You can either scoff at them or say you like mm-hmm. them. This is one that I, I happen to embrace and think it's kind of cool.
1: Can we just give as an example of the boom? I mean, the flying saucer started in the small space. The eight zero was the one that had the big the big patio and the great big space. Well, the the flying saucer ate the eight zero. Mm-hmm. has now taken over the big space, and the small space will be bird, which will have a a, uh, a, a menu by David McMillan, who has been doing. The menu for Meddlesome Moth in Dallas, and mm. by the way, our much celebrated rodeo goat burger—you uh, know—is is the, the the chef from uh, the the sous chef from Meddlesome Moth is mm. the guy. This is this is the point goat. where we work burgers into the yeah, exactly. every time, time that we the, can. The, the, the <laughs> we are contractually uh, so uh, I, uh, I obligated. Now, what would be another gastropub besides Bearded Lady? What would be another? Uh, um,
0: well, right on Magnolia, they also have yeah. The, uh, a brood Zio brood Carlo is, and, and
1: Brood's more like Zio a coffee Carlo.
2: house, yeah. coffee house, beer house with some food. Brood, yeah. is, brood has a little bit of everything, but Zio Carlo is definitely a, yeah. a gastropub. The bearded lady, um, yeah, those are the two that I can really. A lot that of beer I think choices. I
1: think Live Oak has a lot of craft beer, I believe. Yeah, as well. Live Oak has a very and good they selection have as well. They've their menu. Their lunch at Live Oak, and then we have this new deal that opened in Fort Worth now of Max's Wine Dive. Mm-hmm. Which is a, a not a a gastro pub but a wine pub mm-hmm. that you go in and it looks and feels like a dark beer bar except it's all about wine. They have a hundred wines, but they have like fried chicken and salads mm-hmm. and you know really nice fried chicken, jalapeno batter fried chicken, but uh, and they have brunch and they they have you know they they have a lot of pretty good dive bar food, but it's all about wine instead.
0: Yeah, you know I don't know that the wine. Bars have took off in Fort Worth the way that the beer is taking off. But there certainly are the Times 10 Cellar and, and Zambrano's downtown. So, you know, we don't want to p- leave the wine lovers out in the cold. There's still plenty of places to go and have a nice glass of wine.
1: I just want to add here on, on, the, on the beer, too. Um, David Shaw at Shaw's Patio Bar and Grill in Magnolia. You know, David's been in this business 35 years. Right. And, the, and he is serving, like, you know, his wife's father's lasagna, but he's turning his whole bar around into more craft brews oh, cool. and craft brew kicks. So he's he's like spanning the generations. and, and But you know, he's an example of somebody who's feeling the heat to bring in more craft He
0: brews. He was actually, I remember we did a profile on Eric Cheddar a couple of years ago, and he was instrumental in helping Eric open the poorhouse way back when in downtown Fort Worth. Yeah,
1: he's been a mentor to a lot of restaurants here. I went by and saw him.
0: So we're talking about trends, and let's let's switch gears a little bit. What about the trend of painted sushi? Bud, you were telling us you're... you're Vote in favor or uh, not uh, in favor uh, of how painted how sushi?
1: Sushi, Kazushi I'm sorry, that I'm forgetting the name. Susi-jushi. That Suzuki. damn Suzuki. newfangled place <laughs> in, in, in Arlington this week, and it's in it's where Sushi Zone used to be on Road to Six Flags. Uh, it faces the El Chico there uh, near the ballpark, and all the the sushi comes with like bright pink and yellow and green sauces. I love over. that. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, exactly. And and Piranha was the one who brought a lot there, mm-hmm. and that is like. You know, and the, the 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 sushi the the stack comes and the sauces on it make it look like a, a contemporary, like like it's hanging, hanging at the modern. You know, and I just started to say, when did they have to paint up sushi? And and you know, you, I went to uh, Shinjuku Station mm-hmm. in, on Magnolia last Saturday and had this absolutely fantastic, simple, spicy tuna roll, and the the cayenne was was just worked into the tuna so gently and it was all so perfect it didn't have any kind of mayonnaise sauce on it. And I, I you know, I love the sauces but sometimes it's too much.
0: Mm. Well, Nick has some opinions on this, so do I. But I'm going to let Nick jump in here <laughs> well, before you know, I, I do.
2: I am like a huge sushi lover, and I also think that is a like hipster trend from my college days, which weren't that long ago. Uh-huh. Um, but I have always really loved um, the sauces that come with it and the color of sushi. And I think color has been a big aspect of sushi from the beginning. And I think that it is appealing, and it's kind of you you see these creations, and it's it's kind of always. I always feel with Asian food, the presentation is more is more emphasized than probably any other. Uh, type of food.
0: Yeah, and I, I love it. I mean, I have to say that for the longest time I did not eat sushi, but my wife loves it. And so a lot of times I was kind of a casual observer and I'd go along and I'd have the teriyaki bowl or whatever mm-hmm. and she would be ordering the sushi and I would come out and i said, oh, this is just terrific. It's like a, you know, it, it is really like a stage show. Right, yeah. And I think... Then I started to try some, and, I, and I've come around, and I do really like some of the sushi. And I think some of that, what you're talking about, maybe is pulling in the casual person, not the person who's been eating sushi for years and, and loves it. It's the person who's like, ooh, that just looks so cool and sparkly. Make, I have to try it. you look
1: pretty, so you'll eat it. Okay, well, I'll add out. I mean, my favorite sushi, I mean, uh, Sinjuku, mm-hmm. definitely, and Tokyo Cafe Tokyo is like, Cafe is, is like, terrific yeah which is like you know father of Shinjuku That was the <laughs> one of
0: the first places that I had sushi locally and one thing is that it's really good really fresh and and not real fan, not yeah. real adorned with anything and it's not very expensive
1: Yeah and then Little Lily Little Lily I think is the coldest freshest you know, seafood sushi that, I, that I've had here, the, the sashimi. I mean, uh, and I think all those are great. And so now, if you want to defend, like, the Piranha painting. Or anything, I was going to say, well, well I, I love, love Piranha. So do I. I
2: love going down to Piranha, especially here down in town, downtown Fort Worth. And then on the economical side of things, Sushi Axiom on the weekend has a bento box for $10 that is just filled. Like, it is the best lunch. And I think uh, a friend of mine go, we went, like, five weeks in a row, five Saturdays in a row we would have bento box at sushi axiom over at Montgomery Plaza it's just such a great deal ten dollars and you get so much sushi and I just
0: also the um the happy hour over at blue sushi is terrific mm, blue uh, you know
1: yeah. I, and I'll give in on that axiom is is great and and blue sushi's really good the chef over there
0: now there I I mean I'll go more for a, a, a you know a, a cocktail and then I'll maybe have just a little appetizer of something mm. and and you know I, I just I like the atmosphere there I think both sushi axiom and blue are, are both about sort of the hip Vibe, whereas Tokyo Cafe is obviously a place you're just going to have, and same with Little Lily. Yeah, I have a Um, lot of
2: sushi places on my list of MK Sushi
0: is another place over in the West 7th. Oh, yeah, I do really like MK's. Yeah, I mean, so we're really lucky. And then, of course, Wasabi Sushi is another really terrific place out along uh, Hewlin, just past the the Hewlin Mall out in South Fort Worth.
1: Now, um, Arlington has a couple of all-you-can-eat sushi buffets. Oh, really? Yeah, like what's one, Tiger Sushi and something that – yeah, they have a couple of buffets that the students out there, I hear all this from my nephew who goes to UTAs, <laughs> he says I need to get wired into the buffets. So I guess we'll check that out and talk about it on a future podcast.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know about a sushi buffet. I like it to come to me right o- right away when, you know I know, that's part of the pleasure of watching the chef kind of make it for me.
2: I know. That I'm always hungry after eat sushi, even if I felt like I ate a lot. Like an hour later, I'm hungry. So, a sushi buffet sounds delicious to me. <laughs> sushi, yeah, uh, and then I'll have to look at the other one. But
0: I'll Maybe out. you go for a burger
1: after that. That's right.
2: <laughs> ah, one more work into the <laughs> burger. Ching. I'll, I'll check
1: with my number one sushi. Source
2: It'd be so. a weird meal, meal though to have sushi and craft beer. I would have to say. So we had a we had a very odd podcast discussion today. All right. Well, let's
1: exactly. go have a beer, right now.
2: <laughs> Until next time, I'm Nick. I'm Bud. I'm Rick.